everybody. Welcome to another very special edition of the Finn Maniacs podcast. Jason Sarney here, and I'm going to be kicking it to two of my favorite writers, Sean Williams and Chip Turner, who will be bringing you guys fantastic weekly content shows. And we're going to be talking a lot more about the schedule on the Finn Maniacs podcast network shortly. But without further ado, Chip Turner is going to kick us off here. How are things going, Chip? Things are going good. It's a busy time. Um, with pro days going on, got a lot of stuff that's been happening for the last month in the off season, uh, free agency, pro days. You got the draft coming up, and I, I can't wait. I'm psyched, um, and I think we got a lot of fun stuff coming up over the next month or so. How you feeling, Sean? I'm good. Uh, busy, busy day, busy time, wrapping up free agency and getting ready for the draft. Like you said. Um, Multiple pro days every day. Brian Flores is in one place. Chris Greer is in another. Um, speculation, which usually leads to nothing good because Miami does the complete opposite. Um, but yeah, just grinding, getting ready for the draft. I got you. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Uh, Miami Dolphins organization has gone from a fairly leaky ship of rumors and information getting out to everybody to a very tight-lipped um, vault, if you would, uh, information staying in a very few uh, need-to-know group of people. Um, but as the free agency is kind of winding down and we're headed toward the draft, um, watching Pro Days, how do you feel um, about the Dolphins roster as free agency uh, signings have mostly come to an end? How do you think they're uh, sitting right now? I think they're incomplete. Um, it's not, let's say we were post draft right now and this is the roster we had. I don't think we're ready to, to roll it into week one. Um, I know we've addressed a lot of depth needs, um, but depths don't get you to the playoffs necessarily. Um, it definitely doesn't get you championships. We're missing a blue collar workhorse dog at outside linebacker edge. Um, I think we could use another offensive lineman. Um, we're still looking for an alpha wide receiver, an alpha running back. Um, we could get a little bit younger at safety. I think we did a great job picking up a lot of pieces to round out the roster. And apart from Will Fuller, um, where we haven't really got the guys that will probably be put in as, as NFL starters in the next year or two. I got you. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, this The team is not ready yet to compete for championships, in my opinion. Uh, I think no. it says a lot about the coaching staff uh, as to how far they've come in two years. Um, when, it's, when it is ready to comp compete for championships, it's going to have young, talented depth at nearly every position to the point where there's no glaring weaknesses on the roster. Um, and we will be able to, I say we like I have a say in it, the Miami Dolphins will be able to bring in veterans on cheap one-year deals or two-year deals a lot like Tampa Bay did um, to get the team over the top and win a championship. Uh, I think they're at least at least a full year away from that. But, you know, they had a – they have a small amount left from their rookie class of 2019, but I think they need the uh, class of 2020 to get another year of growth and this year's rookie class, whomever it may be, uh, to develop, but I think 
I know Miami Dolphins fans have been so starved for success. Um, and they don't want to hear preaching patience, but you have to keep in mind and remember, this team was burned to the ground 2019. It wasn't just a minor overhaul. There were players on the uh, roster that were pr practice squads and, and cast-offs from other teams where the talking heads in the NFL thought the Dolphins were intentionally tanking and were concerned about getting people hurt. Um, you hit on a few areas that you thought needed to be addressed. Um, edge rusher, wide receiver, um, and running back. And defensive backfield, I know uh, Xavier Howard and Byron Jones are getting a little older as far as the average type, uh, average age on the team, and they're fairly expensive. And I know Brian Flores comes from the model of uh, New England where they spend a lot of resources and money on their defensive backfield. Uh, who do you see as fits potentially uh, in the upcoming draft in the areas of need that you hit upon? That's a good question. So I have, I have my kind of man crush list that keeps growing. Um, the more I, I'm digging into these guys, um, I think that the very top of my list, those first round guys that, um, and, and I just want to add, it'll break my heart if Miami veers from their identity of drafting best players available. Mm -hmm. um, I don't believe in, in drafting for need. Um, I think that's what free agency is for. Um, so that, with that being said, I, I could care less, to be honest, who they take at six. I think they're going to get an elite prospect regardless. I mean, I have guys I like better than, than others. I, Jamar Chase is a physical specimen. He doesn't drop the ball. He high points the ball. He does everything well. But Devontae Smith is, is a uniquely rare, um, talent at, at route running, um, which is something that, that this team has sorely lacked for pretty much ever. Um, Jalen Waddell is a, is a spacer, a dangerous route, uh, a dangerous weapon out of the slot. Um, he's, he, he has all the potential to, to potentially be uh, a Tyreek Hill. Um, I know a lot of the fans are high on Albert Wilson. They're high on Lynn Bowden. I'm the type of person that I'm high on elite talent. Sure, Albert Wilson uh, three, four years ago, did, made a, a few wild plays for us in a season. Um, Lim Bowden definitely sh has the potential. Um, I'd rather get the sure thing, especially when we have the capital that we have. Um, so at six, I'm not, I'm not too concerned. We could even take a Rashawn Slater and uh, really solidify the line. Um, pick 18, I'm, I'm Najee Harris, no matter what. Um, he's, he's another rare breed. He's someone that has Derek Derek Henry type potential for me? Um, I think he's someone that that really takes our offense to the next level, takes pressure off Tua. Um, Alabama's pro day yesterday. He's running routes, uh, wide receiver routes, um, just to show that that's in his game. And then even the last play, he threw a touchdown to Mac Jones. Um, so so first round for me is Najee, no matter what. Um, who, who they take at six, um, I trust them. I trust their decision-making. Um, outside linebacker, rusher, someone to keep an eye on for me. Not really a top-of-the-draft guy, but more in that third, fourth-round range is Cam McGrone. High motor, um, 
can get in between the, the tackles, in between the guards. Uh, Joe Tryon, uh, potential late first, early second rounder. That guy has a motor. Uh, just like Flores and Greer, I love the high motor guys, the guys who don't take a playoff. Um, and those are those guys right there. Um, obviously, everyone in, in the Finn Maniacs has an obsession with Quinn Miners. Um, I'm, I, di I don't differ there. That, that guy has a high motor. He just, you can tell, he's almost like a well-behaved Richie Incognito. He just <laughs> loves football. He loves to, to beat up on, on his opposition. Um, he really reminds me of an incognito um, and hopefully one that just doesn't have the, the off or on field issues. Um, how about you? How would you like to see our, our first couple of rounds uh, come together? Well, I think you hit the nail on the head in the philosophy they have. They seem to have thus far is taking best player available. Uh, and they have set themselves up, I believe, through free agency and through last year's draft to be able to do that without creating a glaring weakness at any one position. Uh, they've set themselves to be able to um, get a blue chip player, like you're saying early at six, or even depending on how the draft falls, because everyone thinks they know what's going to happen on draft night. And then it always goes no sideways at some point in time, every Absolutely single year, right. something goes berserk and everybody throws their hand up in the air. Nobody saw that coming. The only thing you're going to see coming is that no one's going to know exactly what's coming. So, Absolutely. I would, I would love – I'm going to go back to where I started because as much as conjecture has happened about Kyle Pitts, and I know everybody loves Kyle Pitts, and if they get Kyle Pitts, their tight end situation is phenomenal. But then do get, you pay Mike Kosicki 12 to $14 million a year to come <clears> back? <throat> and I, I'll tell you right now, Mike Kosicki is the energy of that offense. That is not a player I want to see them let walk away. I agree. Um, I think I, – I, I would love to say Mike Kosicki is certainly brought back, but Kyle Pitts does everything that Mike Kosicki does better and considerably better. And blocks. Yes, and he, he's not the best blocker out there, but he definitely blocks better than Mike Kosicki in line. Um, I don't. I would love to see um, Mike Kosicki kept, but again, if they take what's that Kyle offense Pitts, look like then? I mean, how do you? I mean, we need to have five strong guys who can block in order to have two tight ends that line up at wide receiver. Um, they have to assume. I mean, if you run an RPO, they everybody has to assume it's a pass until they know it's not. Um, sure. I think their 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 strengths. Um, will be shown very well in an RPO if they work together. Um, mm -hmm. You're going you're gonna to end up running a 12 offense, but you got to do what you got to do with them. Sometimes you're not going to have both on the field at the same time, but they're, they're automatically two of the best pass catchers in that offense. If you have them both, it's going to be difficult to not have them both on the same line, uh, both on the field at the same time. So um, I think they, I think pitch would be lovely to have. I, I, my guy, I really want at six is still Devonta Smith. I know after all the conjecture, people have been going back and forth between Pitts and Jamar Chase, and I still am going back to DeMonta Smith. Like you said, he is a fantastic root runner. He is exactly what Tua needs. Um, I'm with you riding with um, 
At 18, I like the additions the Dolphins made in free agency, but I'm also at Najee Harris no matter what. People that say he's too early for a running back, I just, I'm sorry. I don't I care. just don't understand that logic. Yeah, yeah I just I don't, don't, get I don't that care. Logic. Yeah. And an elite is, player changes your 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 team regardless. Yes. So he could be an elite. Like, would you not take Quentin Nelson in the top five of the NFL draft, even though he plays guard? Of course. And that was right. that was yeah. the – when he was drafted, he was a perfect fit, and he was the best person in that position. And absolutely, you, you can't really argue with that. Um, Edge, man, I could I could do a whole separate in the same way we could do a whole separate podcast on whether or not they sign Mike Kosicki long term. I could do a I could do talk for a good twenty minutes about whether I like Jalen Phillips better or Gregory Rousseau better. Um, I don't think either of them will be there at thirty six. Um, but I mean, you've got, you got Jason Owe, you've got Quiddy Pay, who will probably go early in the first round as well. Um, somebody that I have my eye on to, and I'm going to lead into the next question on this, um, is someone who I think had a little bit of a rough senior bowl week, but showed up during the game. I don't know exactly what occurred, but Patrick Jones out of Pitt is a kid that I think might fall simply because of what you know, he didn't look all that impressive during his senior bowl week um, at edge. Um, can you think of some other players that might end up on the Dolphins um, that you think were uh, big risers or fallers during the senior bowl? Well, one of the guys I kind of studied today, um, he's definitely going to be more of a situational guy uh, brought in specifically to rush the pass, rush, rush the passer. And that's Ellerson Smith out of uh, mm. Northern Iowa. He had a really impressive uh, senior bowl. Um, he, he made wild plays every single day. Um, he was put through drills at defensive end and outside linebacker. Um, I don't think he can defend the run at the next level, um, but he is fast. And he got 14 and a half sacks in 2019. Um, didn't play 2020. Um, the, the team didn't play in 2020 due to COVID. Um, they were an FCS school, are an FCS school. Um, so I really like him. Um, I like a couple of the wide receivers that had big, big, uh, big showings at, at the pro day. Um, I like Michael Carter, uh, the running back. Um, but for me, again, it's Najee, no matter what. I don't think, I mean, they could draft whoever they want. And if they don't walk away with Najee, um, I don't think I, it's an A-plus grade for me, if Najee's there. Um, if, if Najee goes 15 to, to, the, or to the Patriots or he goes to the Arizona Cardinals, it is what it is. Um, can't really change that. Um, but if he's there at 18 and they pass on him, it, the draft's a failure for me. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, I, 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 won't, I won't call it a failure, but I will say <clears throat> I am, I, I'll, I'll do the whole thing that um, – was done in one of my favorite movies, uh, The Fifth Element. There was a scene there where uh, Zod comes back and screaming, um, I am very disappointed that he's, he's a guy that I think would be absolutely, absolutely perfect, um, both receiving out of the backfield, and he has the ability to just run over and sometimes literally jump over people in the NFL. So he's, He can uh, do anything. He can junk. He can, he can jump. He can juke. He can mm -hmm. truck. He can catch. He can throw he can there's nothing he can't do yeah i think i think one thing that hasn't been emphasized enough with him is his patience uh in following his blockers 
he is he's not just a bulldozer he's a very smart runner who can turn into a bulldozer when he needs to which is always a good thing and i think that that kind of game is great for a young offensive line like we have someone who doesn't have to rely on the offensive line to to create the holes or to make the plays for him agreed uh somebody that i also have been keeping my eye on and i he he did not have a good senior bowl week or senior bowl is the guard out of alabama who was very well regarded um deontay brown i don't know what happened to him uh, specifically during the senior bowl he looked like he looked like a miami dolphin uh lineman from four three or four years ago uh, who was simply didn't know what to do i don't know if it was a scheme thing a uh, way he was coached or what exactly occurred but Deontay Brown looked completely lost to the point where I think he is going to be um, – he's going to be a value for someone. It wouldn't surprise me to see him drop all the way to the fourth round or so just because – I would agree with that. He looked that bad. But I don't think you can have one bad week and one bad game wipe away what he did at Alabama. So he's a guy I might um, – I might <laughs> – I also think Quinn Miners has worked his way up into almost a sure thing in the second round. Oh my god! I don't think he gets out of the second round. He, He's a first round talent. If if he didn't sit out last year, he he um he's an interesting case because I've never heard of anybody at the Senior Bowl wanting to play with a broken hand before, and I that is the sort of thing that sticks with you, um, and I think it's probably stuck with uh, Brian Flores and his staff. It would not be a bit surprising um, if they're if they want to shore up the center position. And again, I think they did enough in free agency where it's not a glaring weakness. Um, I'm excited also, for Matt Scarra. I, I am really too. am. Um, I don't think he's just a depth guy. I think he's someone who doesn't allow a lot of sacks and does his job in the run game. Yeah, no, um, we said it. He got yeah, he got so, he got a little bit of a bad rap last season. He's had some injury issues. But I'm really interested to see what he can do for us. Yeah, he was, again, you can't really take too much away from a guy for one or two bad games in a bad couple of weeks. He was he was not a depth signing two years ago. Two years ago, no. he, was, he was a top-flight a top flight center. So I, I don't understand the the. I think he could end up being one of – yeah, I could end up, totally end up seeing him being one of the better free agent signings that we had. Um, I do want to go back real quick to mm-hmm. pick six and, and Devonta Smith. What do you say to the people that'll push back on him and say, Chase is just the ultimate specimen. He can do everything. Um, he can, contrary to popular belief, find separation. Because that's something I'm struggling with too. I, it's the intangibles about Devonta Smith that makes him the guy for me. Um, his loyalty to his teammates, um, him showing up at, at the senior bowl with no reason to, I mean, he didn't, he didn't play, um, but he was there. Um, same thing with Najee Harris, Devonta Smith was running routes for Mac Jones yesterday, even though he really didn't need to do that. How do you, how do you explain passing on who could, someone who could end up being an absolutely elite specimen in Jamar Chase? here's what it comes down to for me. If I am, and I have to put myself, if, if I'm answering this question, I have to put myself in the mindset of the GM of the Miami Dolphins, which I will never be. 
I hope I can, I can dream about that sort of thing, but I'll never be that. <laughs> I don't have to explain myself to anybody. Here's the thing. That's true. I have nothing against Jamar Chase. I think Jamar Chase is going to be a fantastic receiver in this league. But you hit it on the head. There are only so many things that you can measure with Devonta Smith. I don't care how much Devonta Smith weighs. I don't care if he weighs a buck 25. The stuff that he does on the field is ridiculous. He was healthy. He was productive. He showed up in every big game situation. He made everybody else on that field in the national championship game look like chumps. I don't And he also did that years ago with Tua as his quarterback. Yes, he did. Against Georgia. Yes. This I don't isn't think anything that's brand new for Devonta Smith. Yeah. And it, it has nothing to do with Waddle getting hurt. No. No, it absolutely does not. He he is if he is your only option, he'll perform as the best option. If he's a complimentary option, he'll do really well at that too. He does not he has never been a selfish guy. He's never come off as self-centered. He's very team-oriented. Every single intangible in this case makes me think the Dolphins have to get Devonta Smith. That's just my opinion. And like I said, if I'm the GM of the Miami Dolphins, I don't have to explain a dang thing. He's the guy for I me. will say, and I will say, and I, I tweeted this out earlier today, I don't have a hill to die on at pick six. I really think no matter who they take, whether it's Chase, Smith, Waddle, or Pitts, I don't necessarily think they can go wrong. Um, each player brings a unique skill set to the offense. Um, I, I know Chase is the ultimate guy, um, but I really love the thought of Tua playing with one of his guys, or two of his guys, if we can get Najee to. Um, the chemistry they have, um, if Will Fuller, you know, can't stay healthy past 10 games. Um, if Devontae Parker can't do that, if Preston Williams can't do that, and that's an issue they've all had, there's Devontae Smith ready to step in. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I, if they take any of those guys, I'm, I'm happy. I'm satisfied. Um, but Smith, there's something special in that kid that, that it isn't necessarily something you see on tape. It's just it's the personality. It's the guy he is. It's a teammate he is. It's everything he brings to your organization. And to me, he seems like the ultimate Brian Flores guy. I agree. And I think, I think the entire fan base of the Miami Dolphins is becoming Brian Flores guys in that we are learning to trust a front office again. So like you said, I will not be tragically upset with the Miami Dolphins if they don't select Devonta Smith at six. He'd be my guy. He's a guy that I would campaign for if I were in that front office. But I hey, Mel Kuyper has him at three that as the third best prospect. So yeah, ahead of Chase. You, you can't you can't argue with his production. That's for, that's for absolute certain. Um, but the nice thing is, leading into the next little little bit of conversation, um, you and I are both going to be able to see this happen in person. Well, we at sure least in are. Cleveland. <laughs> we we sure are, and I couldn't be more excited. Um, you and I will be at the 2021 NFL Draft. Um, instant reactions, fan reactions, uh, maybe some collaborations, instant analysis. Um, we're going to be bringing that entire environment to all Dolphin fans. Couldn't be more excited. I've been to an NBA draft. was incredibly boring. Um, <laughs> the NFL draft is a completely different animal. Um, I can't wait to boo 
uh, Roger Goodell, no matter who the Dolphins pick. Um, I'm excited to welcome any any guy that the Dolphins bring in. I do hope, and it'll disappoint me if whoever they pick isn't there. Like Trevor Lawrence will not be at the draft. He said he will be watching the draft from Cleveland. I hope whoever the Dolphins pick is at the draft can get some cool pictures, get to feel that energy, see them smile when they put the hat on and hold up the jersey. Um, yeah, I think you and I are going to have some great coverage um, and a great time. It's, it's just going to be fun. It, it, it's, it will hopefully be an experience um, uh, like none other. I think we will be able to give a fairly um, loosely defined and almost uh, spectator view of what's going on. Like you said, hopefully plenty of photo opportunities. I do hope whomever they draft is there. Um, to walk to the podium and get that um, freshly pressed Miami Dolphins jersey. Um, that'll be a cool experience. I actually had plane tickets and hotel tickets for last year to see them pick Tua. And unfortunately, with COVID, it did not happen. Hopefully, this year turns out to be a much more um, on-hand and in-person experience. Yeah, it's it's going to be a blast. It's it's going gonna, it's gonna to be memorable for sure. Um it makes it that much more exciting that Miami has so many early round picks. Um, whatever picks they make are really going to be have a heavy hand in shaping the future of the franchise. So it's it's kind of a it's an instrumental and, and impactful draft for us. It is. It's not like we have we have the a pick in the twenties and we're taking Charles Harris. Ooh. We have some <laughs> big time picks. Why why would you say that and ruin the mood? Why 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 bring up Charles Harris? I know they think that I know they did the best they could. So it's it's hard to eh, it's hard to look backward with yeah. Greer right. was there, but he doesn't have to take credit for it. Right. All from from this point on, always forward as they say. And I think the Miami has himself set up now not only for this draft, but for a few drafts in the future. So I want to touch on last year's draft. We all are developing this trust and confidence in, in Greer and in Flores. Give me the best unbiased take you have on last year's draft. And if you think we have a winning draft moving forward from that class. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll put it this way. I don't think you can accurately judge that draft yet. Miami drafted no, not yet. young. Yeah, I think, I think they drafted with... Success in mind, not in 2021 or even in 2022. I think they drafted with success in mind in 2023. And I'll explain that very quickly. And everybody thinks Noah Ibogne is, is, a, is a bust. I ain't buying that at all. Um, in the vein of addressing the defensive backfield moving forward, it is, again, one of the places where they have, the Miami Dolphins have spent a lot of capital. I don't believe that they drafted Iggy to be a slot corner. I believe they drafted him to take over for either Byron Jones or Xavier you Howard. Be care you be careful with what comes out of your mouth. I'm no, I'm not, I'm not saying – I have, I, have I have a Xavier Howard signed jersey that I'm trying to get framed right now. I, I will burn that. the world down if Xavier <laughs> Howard gets traded. And, and Jason, Jason again, I'm glad you popped in because I've been trying to call you out on Twitter about this. What's your obsession with getting rid of the unquestioned best player on the team just to draft Patrick Sertain's kid? It's not an obsession. What's the obsession? <laughs> it's not an obsession. It's an option. It's an it option. It is. But I don't think it's a good it's move not now. An but 
Like, I don't think it's question. a good news, news period. There's not a player in the NFL that, that can compare to what Xavier Howard has done when healthy. Oh, you're no, there's, right. there's, no, there's no excuse to get rid of him. I agree. Right, but there is mileage on the injured player he is. He's only played one full season, and you could get a cheaper version of a guy with seven years to go with a five-year rookie contract. I'm going to step we back. We have 80 on, million yeah, picks. Westward. We can do that anyway. We can do it anyway with the 80 million picks Chris Sean, Sean, can I ask you a question real quick on this since we're, since we're here, since, since we opened up this can? Sure. How would you Absolutely. feel about this conversation in 2023? How would you feel you about mean? it? How, would you, how will you feel about it? Xavier Howard in 2023, if he's on the Miami Dolphins. And you if he have, doesn't, you have a, a quarterback not, to take over the spot. If he does not retire a Miami Dolphins, just like I'm Najee Harris, no matter what, if Xavier Howard does not retire in the aqua and orange, I'm going to be an incredibly unhappy guy. I don't care <laughs> about the money. And I, and I think, and I want to touch on this anyway, mm-hmm. something that our fan base seems to be getting lost on is the fact that we don't have money issues. We have cap room, and that cap is going to go up so much with these new TV deals. We're not hurting for cash with or without Xavier Howard. That shouldn't even be a bullet point on the conversation on whether to keep or trade him. His and Byron Jones' money right now aren't going to affect us until these rookies are due for contracts. And even then, we might still be fine. At some point, Bobby McCain is is not going to be worth the contract he's he, – he has, or he's going to be re-signed to a different, restructured to a different contract. Jakeem Grant's obnoxious deal to be a punt returner isn't going to be around forever. There's plenty of guys with contracts that will come off the books. Um, Miami is very savvy in how they structure contracts. And if you've seen this offseason alone, the salary cap is a complete myth. You can oh. rework deals. You can restructure deals. Look at the Saints. Look at the Chiefs. It doesn't matter how much money they're paying these guys. They can continually bring in talent. I agree. I, I, don't, I don't think salary cap is going to be the biggest issue. I think the biggest issue is going to be advancing age and production. Um, I, I can and, see that. And, yeah. and I, I'm a firm believer in you draft a cornerback every year. Just like the Packers. That's yep. that's a Packers philosophy. Draft a corner every year. You need six, seven of them to get through the season. And it's, in my opinion, the second most important position on the field besides quarterbacks. So. Agreed. Specifically in the type of defense that Flores runs. And one of the things he, I, I'm willing to bet, one of the things that he learned and knows and did and that New England did very well is they don't get rid of a, a player a year too late. They get rid of them one year too early and then they decline. I, they've done it for they've done it for a well over a decade now so i i do agree with you there yeah and Just something to keep in mind i do understand how important press man coverage is in a flora system especially when he doesn't necessarily want to spend resources on on the big name elite level rushers um who can win in one-on-one situations so like last year, a lot of our sacks came from from covered sacks. Um, and it, I mean, until he brings in that next elite pass rusher, I I have to say, like, that doesn't seem to be high on his priority list. Mm-hmm. I guess we'll see with the draft this year. But this yep. kind of leads me to um, kind of where I, I, I feel like I have a good formulated plan to get Miami to the next level, which is – 
a bit unique to what I'm seeing from a lot of other fans. Um, with like kind of with what you said with Xavier Howard, I think he's a piece we need around at least until we're like he has to be a part of that contenders piece. If we're gonna contend in the next year or two or three, he's the player that has to be on your roster that makes you a Super Bowl team or or is that that's that special something that puts you over the hump against your competition. Now, in order to build that Super Bowl contending team, in order to take the Dolphins to the next level, I don't think we need to go pass rusher in the first round or second round, maybe maybe third round. If, if I'm looking at recent success, and I'm also looking at the way the Patriots or Brian Flores now sets up his team, I have a handful of guys who I believe are going to be elite talents and could fit the system and can can kind of take the defense and shape it and let pass rushing kind of work on its own. And those players to me are, I would really love to get another field general inside middle linebacker, a Levante David type. Um, I know we got McKinney. And I was a huge fan of that move, still am. I loved him in, in Houston. Imagine pairing him with another McKinney. Imagine pairing him with a Levante David. Two alpha-type middle linebackers that completely dictate the defensive side of the field. And to me, that guy could be um, a Nick Bolton or a Zayvon Collins. Um, I'm a big Bolton fan. I see. I saw the look on your face. Um, Zayvon Collins might be working his way up to a, to a mid-first round pick. I want another alpha middle linebacker. Um, and we can go ahead and we can draft these, these Cameron McGrones or uh, Quincy Rochers um, or Carlos Bashams in the third or fourth round and let the rest of the defense just excel and be better than the other defenses that are in the division. That's fair. I wonder... Since we, since we went here, I wonder if that guy is already on the team in Jerome Baker. I do. I know he's not the prototypical run-stopper, smash-mouth guy, um, but I do believe I do believe in him as a leader on the team. Um, Make no mistake, I do, have, I do have a role for Jerome Baker. I'm not looking to say goodbye to Jerome Baker. Gotcha. I want to see Jerome Baker rushing the passer at 100% speed, like he did last year. I think he was so underutilized as a pass rusher last year. And when he was used, see, see to me, he's one of those guys that can fit um, next to two elite middle linebackers and just go. And even if you need, if you, if you don't need him to rush the passer, he's someone who is pretty good in coverage. He can cover the flat. He can cover the screen. He can move from side to side of the field. So I'd rather see him in a, in a, a three-down, more specialty role. Um, get the responsibility of being the, the lead communicator um, and having to focus on, on multiple aspects and let him specialize in taking down the quarterback. Let him specialize and cover if you want him to. Fair enough. Well, if there's one guy that can figure out how to scheme him free and get him to do just that, mm -hmm. I think it's Brian Flores. Absolutely. And then... The one other thing I'd love to see out of the Dolphins, and it's not a weakness. It's not a weakness at all, um, and it's something that you're doing a lot of work in. I would like to see them shore up the secondary by finding the safeties of tomorrow. 
I love, I love, I love our corners and I love where that's headed. And I think if we took another cornerback this year, again, um, you know, we have, we have Iggy, we have Needham. We just got Justin Coleman, who's one of the most respected slot corners in the NFL. If we could figure out, you know, I, I know you're going to remember, you remember having Patrick Sertain, Sam Madison, but it wasn't just them. We also had a Brock Marion. Oh, absolutely. So who yeah. is, who is going to be our, our, our deep field guys of the future. And I have guys in mind that can fit that like uh, Hamza out of, out of Florida state yeah. or Trayvon Merrick. Um, I would like to find a superstar safety. I feel like great defenses have superstars at that position. Agreed. I think something that's interesting is that this, and I learned this while I was doing draft evaluations of safeties is that safeties aren't just all around, for the most part, aren't just all around do-it-all players that can do everything. There are so many different types of hybrid safeties right now. It really depends on what role Brian Flores is going to want him to take. 100%. I mean, you've got hybrid safeties that are part linebacker and part and part safety, like um, Nazar Dean would could be, I believe. Um, and you've got safeties, which I think the Dolphins are going to be looking at, that are a hybrid between a free safety and a slot corner. And there's two guys in mind that I have been specifically looking at. Um, if you go early, if you want to go end of second round, I think Javon Holland might be there. He might go a little earlier than that even. Um, and if He's kind of go, fallen. He was, he was like yes. a first round, projected first round pick before uh, he, was. he sat out. And there's something that I think has happened a lot, and I discussed it in the articles that I've written, which I've, I'll be getting out shortly. Um, I believe there's a lot of recency bias that's going to take place in this draft in that NFL teams simply don't have as much of a finger on players that played in 2019 and didn't play in 2020. And that's not saying anything negative about the players who sat out for opted out for 2020. I totally get it. But you're going to have GMs whose jobs might be on the line someday saying, I have to choose between a guy who produced in 2019 and I didn't see him play in 2020. You're going to have pro days. You're going to have some Zoom meetings. But there's only so much you're going to be able to get from that information. And if it comes down to two players who you view fairly equally and one you saw play in December of 2020 and one you haven't seen play since December of 2019 – you're going to have some recency bias, I believe. And I think that's part so of So I have a hot take with felt. that. Yes, sir. I do have a hot take with that. I think these players that sat out are going to be more ready to perform as rookies. They took off an entire season, probably hired trainers, professional trainers that train these pros, and have spent the entire past year focusing only on being – the absolute best pro-ready product they can be. So I kind of have a hot take in theory that these guys are going to be the ones that can come in and maybe perform a little bit better come day one. I think that'll happen with some players. I don't know it's going to happen with all of them because, again, some of these players you're talking about were 20, 19, 21 years old. And hey, and all draft picks it, don't hit anyway. Exactly. Um, the other guy I was really liking, the more I watch him, the more I like him is our Darius Washington. I know he didn't have nearly as good a 2020 as a 2019, and for that reason, I think he might be available late. Um, our Darius Washington, I said it before, I'll say it again, if he was two inches taller 
and 20 pounds heavier, he'd be draft, he'd be drafted in minimum in the second round. I have not seen as instinctive a player as our Darius Washington playing free safety as I've seen in a long time. He's, he is, he reminds me, and I hate to make the comparison because of his size. He reminds me of the honey badger. He really does. He's, he is, I believe one of the most naturally gifted ball hawks that I've seen in the last five years. That's how good I think he is. Yeah, that's impressive. And, and that's something that, I mean, you can never have enough of. I mean, one of the reasons Miami had an elite defense was their ability to take, take the football away every single game. The streak they're on for turnovers is absolutely wild. Yes. I mean, it's spanning more than a full season now. Yes. Um, so you can never have enough of that. Um, yeah, there's, there's a bunch of different directions Miami could go in this draft, and I think that's what excites me the most. I, lo I almost love that I can't pinpoint who we're going to take anywhere in the draft because we could go in any direction with any pick and come out in a good position. And, yes. and that's, that's an exciting – and that's a new thing um, for a Miami Dolphins fan uh, to be experiencing. Yes. I love that when we are there standing in the crowd um, at the end of April in Cleveland, we're not going to have any clue what Miami is going to do. No, we can guess, but by the end of next April, beginning of next May, we're all going to be wrong. So, But it's fun to guess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the important thing to me, and I don't think anyone can name me a Super Bowl team um, – in the past, however long, that didn't have multiple elite talents. I think right now we have one elite talent. We could have more as these young guys develop. Um, I'm a Tua stan. Um, I think where we go from here is adding elite talent regardless of position. That That is my big – that's how we get from that debacle in Week 17 in Buffalo this past season – to getting in the playoffs next year, to competing for a championship the year after. And I got to say, I, I'm probably the only person in the Fin Maniacs that is okay with pessimism. Not everything is rainbows and unicorns with any franchise, including the Dolphins. And I'm the one, the one person who didn't walk away after that Bills game and say, you know what, it's okay. We weren't supposed to be here. I think I, I think those are just absolutely terrible excuses that I'll never understand. Apparently, they were supposed to be there because they showed they were supposed to be there. If you show that all season long and then you go to Buffalo with a, a win and you're in on the line and you are terrible against Matt Barkley, I there there isn't there isn't there isn't there isn't a silver lining there for me. No, it's we fair. walked away not making the playoffs. Agreed. And, and they're professionals. They're, they, they get paid millions of dollars to play football, to coach football. They showed up to work that day and didn't do their job. That is correct. They did not. And I don't think they're going to forget that. I don't think um, it's so much making excuses for the Dolphins the way they performed. They performed horribly. I think it's trying. I think the – and I'm more the sunshine and rainbows guy – I think it's more trying to make ourselves feel better and not just walk around just feeling crushed for days, which I know oh, do anyway, good, but yeah. I, I did it until the Chiefs knocked the Bills out of the playoffs. There you go. And I, I believe I'm not mistaken. I was mad every day until then. Absolutely. I believe there was a player on the Dolphins, I don't remember who it was, who said, keep passing and I, on Twitter. And I don't remember who it was, but I don't think the Dolphins have forgotten that game against the Bills. And good for them, they shouldn't. 
yeah, and and they better not because they're going to have to play them twice next year, and I hope they have an answer. Can you hear me? Yep. Okay, sorry. Uh, no, that's okay. My, my headphones seem to be uh, seem to be going dead. No, that's um, fine. So, want to touch just a tad bit on free agency? I know we've covered on a, covered it on other podcasts. Was there one player you really wanted Miami to go for and they didn't? I, you know what? Not really. I would have liked to have seen them um, make a push for Levante David, but he got re-signed, like you were right, saying. Right, same. He was, he was my number one guy yes. um, for free agency. Obviously, yep. we didn't get that opportunity. Yep. Um, There's still a guy out there who I, I, I don't believe um, he's signed yet, and that's the, the, the kid who's been – he played for Detroit, and I, his name is escaping me. Of course, as soon as I said I wanted to talk about him, and my brain said, no, mm -hmm. you're going to forget his name. He played for the Patriots. He played – he was drafted by Cleveland. I believe he also played for Detroit. He was a nose tackle. Um, man, his name is – Sheldon? Name? Danny What's Sheldon? That? Thank you. Danny, Danny Sheldon? Sheldon? Yeah, I think he would shore up. I know that the – Speaking of the Bills game, the Dolphins got tired of just being bullied around on the line. I don't think Danny Shelton lets that happen as a signing. I know he's just a depth signing at this point in his career, but he's somebody else. No, but we need that behind Rayquan yeah, Davis. Absolutely. Yeah, I think he I think he would be a very good depth signing. I believe he's still out there. I would love to see him sign. I'm pretty sure he wouldn't break the bank. Yeah. So I was definitely one of those um angry Twitter fans uh the first few days of of free agency who I was watching these guys sign for less than market contracts on short deals. And I'm like, where the hell are you, Miami? Um, and, and not to sound kind of shallow or absurd, the Will Fuller signing was enough for me to say, okay, free agency did what it needed to do. Um, I didn't want them to miss out on guys that were signing less than, less than market value would have dictated before free agency started. Um, they couldn't, in my opinion, just continually sign depth guys. If there was any one player who they did sign that could change, that, that could have the impact on our free agent class, um, it, it is Will Fuller. I think he adds such a, a, an amazing dynamic to an offense that was sorely missing that dynamic. Um, at first, I would have loved the Levante David, like I said. I wasn't in love with any of the pass rushers. Um, a lot of them kind of had fool's gold written on them. Um, if I had to have picked one, it was Matt Judon. But even Matt Judon, uh, I think uh, PFF put out almost all of his sacks came against no no, no coverage. Right. There was no one blocking him. Yeah. I think the, the Dolphins had, as you, as you pointed out earlier – they have become much smarter at signing contracts. Um, they sure I, have. I, I never saw the Kyle Van Noy release coming. Um, and did I didn't, I. Yeah, and I didn't realize um, with the, the way it was, it was set up, they're, they're much smarter at contracts than they used to be. And going into free agency, they really aren't going to hamstring themselves. They're not going to go forward and have a lot of dead, useless money sitting out there. They're not going to, they're not going to go forward and, and sign a crazy, uh, um, a crazy defensive lineman 
contract like Suze. Suze killed this team for years. Um, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he was the highest paid salary, highest salaried player on the team at one point in time, and he was no longer playing for the Dolphins. Right. Um, he, it, I just don't see him doing that moving forward. So I'm not too concerned with anything they did in free agency. The Will Fuller signing, like you said, um, and even that signing wasn't a crippling signing for down the road. It's a smart signing. Absolutely not. The one-year deal, he, it's, he's good to go. And I have a feeling if we get to about week eight, week nine, and Will Fuller is making an impact, he'll be offered an extension before the season even ends. Wouldn't I, I think – I really think it's a uh, – let's see – um, maybe wait to see what the money is going to look like next year with the salary cap increase. He is somebody who I believe is kind of a can't miss signing for us. Um, he just does so many things well. Um, I think he's very undervalued, which um, he does have injury concerns, but I believe he's never played less than 10 games in a season. Um, so you get 10 games from him. You get 10 games from the other guys. You get 10 games from Devontae Smith. There's enough of those guys where we can make it work. And Will Fuller's ability to stretch the defense is something that will change the entire dynamic of the offense. Agreed, 100%. So, apart from that, if you if you had one guy could be a, still a free agent, could be in the draft, that you think We'll, we could be talking about 20 years from now as, as the Dolphins great. Who is that guy? Um, aside, well, aside from already mentioned Devonta Smith, uh, yeah. I, think it's, I think it's David Collins. I think, I think this team right now is currently set up for Zayvon Collins to come in and wreak havoc. I don't know if he's in there. He plan. is so good. He is. He, he's a, yeah, the th- one I, thing he doesn't really do well that I've seen is, is stack and shed blockers. And he's not, he's not tremendous against the run, but Miami set themselves up where they, they're going to be solid against the run with what they've got right now. And they have an opportunity for a, I don't want to say freelancing because that's a, it's a really not a positive football term um, for a, an edge rusher slash linebacker to come in and absolutely wreak havoc. I understand that Brian Flores' scheme is going to have pressure coming from everywhere. But if you have an absolute monster freak like Zayvon Collins, who you can turn loose in that scheme, watch out because that dude could be out of control. The only problem is I believe that getting him in this draft costs you Najee Harris. And that's the only reason. I agree. He's not, he's not getting out of the first round. Yeah. I I I saw him. I think I saw him earlier today mocked in the top 15. Yeah. He's, he is, he's something else. And the only way, yeah, I don't think, I don't think there's any way in the world Miami comes out of this draft with pick number six and a blue chip receiver and Najee Harris and Zayvon Collins. It's just not going to happen. So we have to, I think we have to settle yeah, that's, for that's my feelings three. on Trayvon Merrig. Trayvon yes. Merrig's not getting to the second round. Agreed. I, I understand it. If there's one under the radar player no one's talking about that you could see Miami walking away with in the first two rounds, who's that guy? Ooh, in the first two rounds. Uh, I'm not sure. First two rounds would be difficult to predict. Um I've already brought someone Jerron that's just Howard. not on people's radar. 
I don't, I don't know of anybody. I, I don't think it's Tutu Atwell anymore because Tutu Atwell, I, I believe his 40 time is going to hurt him in the draft. Um, that, that nobody saw coming. Um, you know what? It might be, I brought him up before, but it might be Pat Fryermuth. Um, yeah. Because, simply because, simply because. Mike's old teammate. Yeah, simply because he compliments Mike Kosicki better, in my opinion. Even in a even in an RPO, and I know we, we we've had conversations. Our, the uh, tight ends aren't supposed to block, and I get that. I totally do. Um, but whereas Kyle Pitts is a freak athlete, um, and he does everything that Mike Kosicki does really well, Pat Fryermuth does a lot of those things. And also does things that Mike Kosicki does not do well. Pat Fryermuth is a bad man. He can block, and he, you do not want to go. I mean, he's, he's a guy who you, you have a blitzing linebacker. He's going to handle that problem by himself. He's a big, nasty man. Um, and if you want to run a – if you want to be able to run the ball on third or fourth and short, he's a guy you want lined up next to your tackle to give you that extra push. Yeah, and I think one of the things that about Mike Kosicki that, that kind of hinders the offense is if he's on the field, you know it's a pass play. Someone like Fearmouth helps disguise what Miami's intent is a little bit better. Agreed. Um, yeah, no, I, I really like that. Um, man, I, there's so many, especially – digging into all these prospects I'm finding more and more that I just absolutely love um I'm also starting to like the draft better than I originally did at first I kind of thought it was a weak draft and it is in some some extents I don't love the the interior defensive linemen um I don't love I think that I think with the offensive line it's kind of top heavy um especially at the tackle position um there's definitely some weaknesses, but there's, there's a lot of guys that do a lot of things really well. And I learned, I've been learning the middle rounds, our third round pick or, or one of our later picks, there's some really good situational guys that can be found there. And what I've learned with, with Brian Flores, with them releasing Kyle Van Noy, it almost, besides the, being blatantly obvious that we super overpaid him. Right. I think, I think, the emergence of Andrew Van Ginkle or Beagle the year before, before he got hurt is showing that we don't need to pay someone $15 million a year. We don't need to take someone in the first or maybe even second round that can get in there and just do what they're good at. Right. Yeah. Do, I, I, do, do their specialty. Yes. And the thing is, the nice thing about this is the, Again, they're going to go back to the contracts. That's not only the case in the draft. That's the case in free agency as well, specifically with getting, veterans who are getting older. Um, there are The Dolphins, I believe, are going to be coming up on a situation um, where they are going to be, hopefully, um, contending within a couple of years. And then they'll, then they'll be able to get the specialty guys. You'll be able to target very specific players in, in your draft. Um, Agreed. Brian Flores already has some play, some types of players that he clearly covets um, in building his 
team. Those versatile uh, guys who can do different roles. Correct. More than but, one. But he also has, for example, a good example of that would be Raekwon Davis. And Raekwon Davis is, is one of the more vilified uh, members of last year's draft, or at least was early. And I kept saying, he's doing exactly what Brian Flores wants him to do. He is clogging that middle, and he's, he's just he's getting there. He's occupying two blockers, and he's dropping anchors. He's letting, he, his job isn't to be the flashy guy. Step, you're killing me because you, you beat me to it. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, I was going to say, if there, if there was one player from last year's draft that I could see being an all-pro type player that's not named Tua Tungavailoa, it's Raekwon Davis. Yeah. I think he has every tool in the toolbox needed to become one of the top five at what he does in the NFL. Yes. He is an absolute specimen. Yes, he is. He, he, is, he, is, he is something else. I mean, you often see your big... Uh, defensive tackles who who occupy uh, I'm sorry one of your big defensive tackles who occup occupy two blockers some big guy um, who has who ha who'll have a name a, a nickname like beefsteak or something because he's just a big old, big old big old lug of a guy which is perfectly fine that's not Raekwon Davis Raekwon Davis is not fat <laughs> he's just no a people big and I've, I've noticed people dude. have learned to, have, people have kind of labeled him as a run stopper, when I think he can do so much more, he can bat down passes because he's like six foot eight. He can get to the quarterback. And I think you're, we're going to start seeing that in year two. I think we'll start to see him get to the quarterback. He can do that, a lot. That's going to, that's really the question I have. And because people are saying he, he doesn't make, he, he doesn't make plays in the backfield. And he didn't, he didn't penetrate a lot, but I, I keep, I keep asking the same question and no one answers me because I'm asking it to myself. Um, is is he not penetrating the backfield because he can't, or is he not doing it because he's sticking with his assignment? And I'm starting, I start to think more and more that it's the latter rather than the former, that he's just staying at home doing exactly what he's being told to do. I agree. I mean, let us not forget he was a rookie. <laughs> yes. Um, of course. Yeah. So I think we'll see a lot of the, the rookies from last year. And again, I can't I can't emphasize enough how young some of these kids were. Iggy was literally the youngest player in the NFL, and their left tackle Austin Jackson, well, I believe, was the second youngest player in the NFL. These kids are going to develop, and I believe you're going to see a lot more. I think you're going to say a lot more players on the Miami Dolphins are elite talents next year than this year, not just because of what we see at the end of April, but because of the progression of the youngsters they drafted last year. Like I said, they didn't draft them for this year. They didn't draft them necessarily even for next year. They drafted them for the year after that. Yeah, Chip, the one thing I did want to touch base on, um, in doing my research actually today, there was one guy who I think is um, an absolute perfect fit for Miami. Unfortunately, I'm not willing to sacrifice Najee Harris for it. Um, and that's Jalen Phillips. Now, if you if you if you put aside Jalen Phillips' rough start in UCLA and the injury issues, um, this guy can do just about anything, and he fits any scheme. He can play with his hand in the dirt. He can play standing up. He can defend the run. He can rush the passer. Um, that's not to say he's not without flaws. And I do believe if he didn't have the injury concerns. Um, he would potentially be looking at being a top 10 pick. What do you think? 
I think he is. I've 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 had this conversation with uh with people um and I, in and not Twitter fights, just Twitter discussions. I want to say because I I try not to fight online. Um, I'm not sure he gets out of the top fifteen. I think Jalen. I think the world of Jalen Phillips. Everyone started talking about Greg Rousseau, Greg Rousseau, Greg Rousseau, and Greg Rousseau is awesome. Greg Rousseau, don't get me wrong, he's gonna. I believe he's going to be a uh, elite pass rusher in this league at some point in time. Uh, he is not as technically proficient as Jalen Phillips, and I think the whole line of thinking that Greg Rousseau is a freak athlete led everyone to think that Jalen Phillips isn't a freak athlete, and that's oh, he sure is. That's simply if you saw not that the at the pro day. Oh my goodness gracious! I absolutely love Jalen Phillips as an edge rusher. He is going to cause problems for the NFL for a long time, in my opinion. And yes, there were the injury issues um, from the very beginning. Uh, and again, these these are, I keep going back to this. These are kids who are 18, 19, 20 years old. What, what was I doing when I was 18, 19, and 20 years old? I understand I didn't have the, the same I sort won't of share what I was doing. Had. No, 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 neither will I. I I'm, I'm, I'm asking that question, hoping that nobody actually knows the answer to that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but he is, Jalen Phillips had concussion issues and was ready to give up football. And it's so easy for kids to have that mindset. As someone once told me, actually, it's a movie quote I'll go with. Um, we all get the call as to when it's time to stop playing the child's game. Some of us get it at 14. Some of us get it at 40. But we all get that call. Um, it's just a matter of when it clicks. Um, for players like, um, I, I don't mean to rub salt in the wound, Isaiah Wilson, you look at him and you just say he's got all the talent in the world. But he has to figure it out himself if he wants. What a tragic to. story that's turning out to be. It is. And I hope everything turns out okay for him. Absolutely. He has all the talent in the world, but he's a kid. We were all kids once. It happens. Yeah, no, Jalen Phillips, um, he just he can he can play football. I mean, I was <laughs> yes, watching his tape today. Yes, he and can. Just he he can get five yards into the backfield and take down your running back. He can chase after the quarterback. He can run. He can cover. Um, I, I'd say the only the only question about him is he plays on the same side as Emmanuel Agba, but I'm sure we can figure that out. Yeah, I don't think I don't think that's it would be an issue um, no. if he were available at say 36. I don't think that'll happen. No, um, I think I think he's looking at the top 15. Yeah, yeah, um, I agree. Hopefully not New England. Oh, don't even say stuff like that. <laughs> that. That would be really unfortunate. Um, yeah, I don't. There's there's a couple of players I do not want to see in New England, and and there one of them is named Jalen Phillips, and the other one's named Najee Harris. Oh boy. Yeah. I couldn't. I couldn't emotionally handle it. I don't think. No, I, I don't think so either. Yeah, unfortunate. All right. So, Chip, do you have any uh, any parting words of wisdom um, for this week? I I always have words. I'm not sure how wise they are. Uh, again, I'm just looking forward to the end of next month, getting to the NFL draft, um, being as much of a part of the experience as I possibly can be. Um, so if you guys are out there, I uh, see people, you know, saying they're from Femaniacs and want your reactions on draft picks. Um, 
I'll try to not approach people who are, you know, who are actually falling down drunk or anything, but, you know, give us your best reactions on that and you'll understand. Well, I'm coming hunting. I'm, I'm looking for, for the, the wildest reactions I can get. <laughs> Unless you're against Najee Harris and we select Najee Harris, then I'm only looking for people that a hundred percent back that decision. <laughs> I'll try to be as objective as possible, but I'll, I'll, I'll I might frown <laughs> a little bit during the interview. Also underrated Cleveland is, has really good food. I'm looking forward to eating food in Cleveland, apart from the draft. The the Very entire under- Northeast, the entire even, even outside, everyone's like New York. New York is the best. It's a food mecca of, of the United States. You know what? You're really underselling the rest of the Northeast, whether it be Philly, Cleveland. They, and, and, and pretty much, I, I know there's some, plenty of people who are listening to this who are from the Jersey area. Jersey's food is probably some of the most underrated on the planet. But I'll, I'm looking forward to Ohio seeing how it holds up. Absolutely. So I think that'll do it for this week. We'll catch all you uh, Finn Maniacs and Finns fans uh, next Wednesday. Um, Until then, uh, Finns up. Yes, sir. Finns up.